0: I want to uh, start off my message, often I start with a question, and maybe you can turn to a neighbor real quick and share with them the last time you remembered you had to wait for something. Just go ahead and take a moment just to think about when was the last time you had to wait for something or someone, and then share that, that experience with someone next to you. Okay, so hopefully you had an opportunity to share something. Can I have a show of hands? When you shared about that experience about waiting, how many of you like to wait? Uh, there's only one or two hands. So I appear the answer usually for most of you is that a lot of us don't like to wait, right? I mean, waiting can be kind of a hard thing to do. But that's something I looked up on, on Internet, and kind of neat that way you can google anything and and when i put the question how much do or how long do people wait in a lifetime and, and this answer which seems to be a very popular answer it comes up that on an average day we spend about an hour of our our time waiting and then if you multiply that out into the into a lifetime it comes out to about 2 to 3 years of our life is just sitting around waiting but you know if i actually did the math sometimes i feel that's actually a bit low i think we probably wait a lot longer uh, than an hour in a day at least in my life that seems to be the experience but you know when we go to the the mall or to the supermarket we have to wait at the checkout line when we drive when we get to a red light we have to wait uh, for the red light to change whenever we go to a popular restaurant a lot of times we're waiting in line to get a table Often, when we go to the airports where I was last weekend, you sit and wait for your plane to arrive so you can board. And often, when we go to our medical appointments, right, we have to sit and wait for our doctors to let us come and see them. And those kind of of waiting are just kind of ordinary kinds of waiting. You know, those are things that happen in in our lives on a regular basis. But there are some waiting that's a lot more difficult than that. Waiting for the birth of your first child or waiting for a rebellious child to grow up waiting for the surgery that will give life to a loved one is a difficult time to wait waiting for that phone call for that job offer that you've been waiting for a long time for is difficult waiting for the time that you can be released from prison can be a hard wait. Waiting for pain, waiting for suffering to end can be a very difficult thing. But waiting is a part of every human's life. For some of us, waiting can be a mere, just a mere inconvenience. And I truly believe that those who are privileged, and I think I fit in that category, many of us have opportunities that others don't have through our wealth, through our status, through our power and authority, even the favor granted to us by others, allow us often to cheat waiting. It allows us to go ahead of the line, to jump ahead of others who are waiting. For some people, those who are marginalized, those who are persecuted, those who are oppressed, don't have those conveniences, and often their waiting can't be Hidden can't be shortened. It's a lot more cruel and more harsher. Especially if you're waiting for justice, for healing to happen. But waiting is a part of every human's life. And for us, God has given us Christmas. Because Christmas is a gift to those who are waiting. And at Christmas, as we'll see in Scripture... Is for everyone. This morning, we're going to look at two people in the Christmas story who are waiting. And and these two characters are often not really spoken about. We often hear about Mary and Joseph, obviously. We hear about uh, the shepherds and the magi. But we often don't hear about these two people in the Christmas drama. They're almost like an afterthought. They're an add-on. And they are... Uh, Simeon and and Anna, and you heard their names earlier in the Advent reading. And, And today we are going to look into their lives because God uses them as a way to tell us that he loves us. If you have Bibles, I wanted to go to that text again and read from Luke 2, verses 25 to 38. And there we will find the stories of Simeon and Anna, starting with verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon For my eyes to see your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed And that is the word of the Lord. So before I go into the text, let me prepare our hearts for God's word this morning with a word of prayer. Father God, I ask that you uh, help us now to to reveal uh, more of this story to each one of us. As I always pray, may you open our minds to know what you want us to know. May you open our hearts to feel what you want us to feel. May we see with our eyes what you want us to see and our ears to hear what you want us to hear. I thank you in jesus name well from the story of simeon and anna the first thing we realize that christmas brings comfort and forgiveness you know in the life of simeon verse 25 it says now there was a man in jerusalem called simeon and right there it tells us he's righteous and devout so those are kind of the two observations we can quickly find out it's pretty clear there that simeon is righteous and devout and also in the verses following that he has the Holy Spirit with him. So he's righteous, devout, and he has the Holy Spirit. So this is a man who is close to God. And and that's kind of unusual for this time in Israel because you have to remember, for the nation of Israel, they haven't heard anything from God for almost 400 years. God's been kind of silent to the nation of Israel, and they're kind of wondering, what's going on? Has God abandoned them? But to certain individuals... Uh, God has spoken words, given them visions. He's, he's met with them. And usually that's indicated in the Scriptures in the Old Testament as someone who has the Holy Spirit. Now, if you know your church history, and, uh, the Holy Spirit does not descend upon the Christians or believers until later on, right? So that hasn't happened. This is before the the work that Christ Jesus had to do. But in the Old Testament... Anytime you see the words, the Holy Spirit was with him or her, it's a a special favor that they're receiving from God. So here, Simeon has been given that description that he has the Holy Spirit. And that actually elevates him to the status of a prophet. All the prophets in the Old Testament have been uh, anointed with this, this characterization of having the Holy Spirit with them. So those are three things we, we, we quickly see that, that Simeon is righteous, he is devout, he has the Holy Spirit. And clearly, it says here in the scripture what Simeon is waiting for. It says here he is waiting for the consolation of Israel in verse 25. So what is consolation? Consolation comes from the word console which means to comfort. So Simeon is looking for comfort. Of course, he's looking for comfort for the whole nation of Israel, and he's also personally looking for comfort for himself. During these times, it hasn't been really comfortable for the Israelites or for Simeon, who is an Israelite, because they're under um, occupation by the Roman government, right? So they are occupied people. They're also not really comfortable and life's not been really good to them because they live under the uh, rule of King Herod, who is a really cruel and crafty kind of king. They're actually heavily taxed. They have very little political freedom. So life for the Israelites has been pretty miserable. So comfort for the nation of Israel would be a good thing. And that is what many of them were longing for. And then here also to to uh, have some uh, hope, God has given a word to Simeon. And it says here in the scriptures that, that, that uh, Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit, was revealed by the Holy Spirit, that he would not die until he saw Jesus Christ, he would see the Lord's Christ. So that was uh, a favor granted to Simeon that he wouldn't die until he would see his Savior. And then in verse 29 to verse 30, the Scripture tells us when Simeon actually goes to the temple and, and, and takes baby Jesus from Mary and Joseph, which is actually kind of something that's kind of hilarious, because if you're a young parent, would you let a strange old man come and take your baby and lift them? I mean, It's kind of weird, but whatever the case, Simeon um, was able to take Jesus and then there say, I have seen the salvation in the face of Jesus and saying, I can now die. The Lord has dismissed me in peace so that he has been granted the promise by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw his salvation, his Savior. And now that he has recognized it in the face of the baby Jesus, he can now say, I can die peacefully. And that is something that, that he was longing for, that being saved would give him comfort. And he saw that in Jesus. Now, this is where I make the assumption because in the text, you don't really see clearly that he is an old man. All it kind of says he was righteous, he's devout. It says that he, he wouldn't have to die before he saw his savior but this is where I kind of make an assumption, and many scholars do, that, that he must be an old man because people who are in their 20s, people who are in their 30s, 40s, you really don't talk about dying, right? Just being honest. Mostly, when you think about or talk about dying is when you're 60, 70, 80. It's not a thing that commonly comes up in conversations, except in my experience. When when I hang out with those who are much older than myself, that conversation does come up. And, and that's one of the things I, I get to do. I, I really enjoy time spending with, with seniors, those who have gone before me. And I do get a great deal of opportunity to do that as a pastor at a church. And every so often I... Uh, During the time, certain times of the year, I meet with some of our seniors and we go through the study uh, of the word. And that for me is actually kind of, that's fun to do that. But it's also an excuse for me to hang out with them, to allow me to just spend time and hear their stories because their experience, their lives are are full of richness that that I can learn from and, and honor and respect. And also in many ways, hopefully can apply to my own life as I near the same um, uh, places that they're going to they have already been to but oftentimes in my conversations and probably many of you have had those same conversations with those who are who are elderly who are more senior than you your own parents uh, in a moment of vulnerability and honesty some will often say that they're tired and they're ready to see their maker in heaven So if you are hurting, lonely, if you are grieving or anxious or desperate this morning, God knows of your need. So turn to him and he gives you Christmas, which is the birth of his son, Jesus, who brings comfort to all mankind. Now, in this person of Anna, who's the other character in the Christmas drama that we're looking at this morning, we see in verses 36 to 37... Clearly, these three things about her. It specifically says in those scripture verses that she is old, <clears throat> that she is widowed and that she is a prophetess. So those facts are clearly written in the scripture. And to hunt a little bit more, as I said, both Simeon and Anna are people who have been waiting. Simeon was waiting for comfort, and the scripture tells us here that Anna has been waiting for forgiveness. In verse 38, it says, Coming up to them at that very moment, she, Anna, gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So Simeon was looking for the consolation of Israel. Here Anna is looking for the redemption of of Jerusalem. So redemption comes through forgiveness. Anna is looking for forgiveness of Israel, who has been fallen far away from God, and to be reunited back to him is through forgiveness and redemption. And so Anna is praising Jesus as the, the um, means to being reconciled to God. That seeing baby Jesus, she sees in Jesus, the son of God, now a clear opportunity for Jerusalem and Israel and all the world to be redeemed again, to be back into the family of God. And that's where the nation of Israel, so as a prophetess, that's part of her Her, uh, gifting is to know what it is for all people, for many people. But personally, God is also meeting her in a need that she has been waiting for. For she, not just corporately, but individually, needed to hear the words of forgiveness from her God. Because we see in, a, in the scriptures that Anna is described as a woman who is widowed. And if you look at the calculations, she was widowed at a very young age. So if, if you, she says that she was married to her husband for seven years and then became a widow. Now, in those days, if you're married in your teens, if you're 16, 17, 18, maybe, okay, say 20, she's maybe 27 years old and then she's widowed. And now the scripture tells us she's 84 She's been a widow for almost 60 years. That's a long time. Now, I, I don't know, Oh, I'm sure I know, that being a widow in those days is much rougher than being a widow today. But I know being a widow today is not that that uh, great either. But back in the biblical times, being a widow was very hard. I mean, you're almost destitute. You, you were in poverty. Um. So Anna probably had a very rough, rough life for many many years, but then there's also this this stigma of being a widow, and especially being a widow at such a young age. In those times, which maybe not much of a different than today, oftentimes people in biblical times, if you were a widow, they thought that you had sinned and did something terrible to deserve that 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 condition. And so probably some of her neighbors, maybe even her own family members, were gossiping and saying, why, that, that woman must have did something bad to, to, be, to have her husband die after seven years. And under that kind of cloud of gossip and, and, and shame, Anna probably lived a life that was pretty hard. And in wondering, being influenced by her own peers and her own culture, saying, I must be a very sinful woman. So her reaction is that, that she spent a lot of time at the temple. She was praying, fasting, um, being outwardly religious in some sense. But it, to her credit, she is, she is at least doing, doing that and being worshipful. And in one of her prayers may have been that she's been asking for forgiveness of whatever sin she has been committed. And here, God grants her her wish, her desire, what she's been waiting for. With the coming of Jesus, and she goes at the te- she's already at the temple when when baby Jesus comes, and when Jesus comes with Mary and Joseph, and she sees him and sees Jesus and says, "This is uh, my redemption. This is the redemption not only for the nation of Israel, but it is my own forgiveness." And she is overjoyed and gives praise. God answered her prayers and He gave her what she was waiting for, and it was redemption. Of something uh, of that was plaguing her, and it was forgiveness through to her son or his son, Jesus. If you are feeling guilty over something you have done in the past, if you are ashamed of something in your life, God knows and He still loves you. And to you, He has given Christmas, the birth of His Son, Jesus. And, and Jesus in, in Hebrew means God saves. Jesus saves us from our guilt. He saves us from our sins. Now, the second thing that we see in these scriptures, besides that we see that Christmas brings comfort, brings uh, forgiveness, Christmas moves us in either moves us either to be closer or farther away from Jesus, and we're going to see this in verses thirty four to thirty five. Now. No, Christmas is the tradition for us that are Christians as the celebration of the birth of of Jesus Christ. And the moment that Jesus came to earth, the world and the order in the world changed forever. There was as if a line was drawn in the sand. As soon as Jesus came to to earth, things change. There has to be a certain decision made. There was no getting around it. You, you either um, accepted him or you rejected him. There's no neutrality. Actually, being neutral is the same as, as rejection. So as soon as Jesus came into the world, that was something everyone has to wrestle with. There's nothing get, no getting around it. In verse 34, it says that Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. Scripture says that many will rise if they accept Jesus and many will fall if they reject him. And in the case of Simeon, we see in verse 27, it tells us that he was moved by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple to see Jesus. And then in verse 38, Anna, who was already at the temple, came to Jesus to speak those words and to see Jesus himself or herself. And that was the same case with, with the shepherds, right? The shepherds move closer to go see Jesus. And also the magi came from thousands of miles away and move closer to go see Jesus. So that kind of movement is clearly shown in the Christmas story. So when Jesus came to earth, that uh, interaction is going to be necessary for each person here. Either you move towards Jesus or you move away. And so my hope for each one of us is that if you've been moving away, maybe it's a day that you can reconsider going back towards him to move closer to Jesus. And that's what Christmas is about. It's either you move towards him or move away from him. But the characters, the people in the Christmas drama, each one of them were blessed when they moved towards Jesus as as opposed to moving away. Now the final thought that I had from this passage about uh, Anna and and Simeon, and about Christmas, is that Christmas, the coming of Christmas, should cause us wanting to yelp about Jesus. Now a lot of you are familiar with what Yelp, is right? It's social media. It's like Facebook, Twitter, or whatever. That that it's an opportunity that that you can share things. About yourself, or about others, or things you're interested in, or whatever you're passionate about. And it's curious to me that that uh, a lot of times we have certain fears about what we want to share about, and then sometimes we have no fear about other things that we want to share about. But here in the, in, this, in the scripture we see from Anna and Simeon that more and more, in particular, about Anna. In verse 38, it says, Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And so here, we see that Anna has no, no issues about sharing, being a messenger about, about Jesus to anybody that she came upon. She had no inhibitions, no fear, no anxiety, uh, no regrets. She says clearly, here. it says here in a scripture clearly that she she just shared about jesus to anybody that she came came upon but you know that appears to be often our fear oftentimes i talk to people and sometimes i i hesitate too that we feel hesitant to share about jesus to others in our circles whether it's our neighbor or a a stranger or a relative whatever that's one of the biggest fears we have but i don't think that should be an issue because uh, again talking about yelp twitter facebook or whatever we have no problem sharing about certain things that we are passionate about like food right last week when i was in southern california i shared a story on facebook too but i don't know if all of you saw that um terry my wife was interested in in, um, getting some sushi she was hungry so yelp has always been pretty dependable I don't use it, but Terry uses it a lot, and she finds all these great places to go to. And so she yelped, uh, uh, I guess it was supposed to be a sushi truck that was at a particular location. And so we, we um, you know, put in the GPS, went to the to the area, and uh, when we went there, there was this building, and then there's this sign on, on the building, and it said, California Showgirls. So... Uh, looking at that building i was thinking wow i I don't think they're going to be serving just sushi here (laughs) so i quickly pulled out of the parking lot and we said i think we better go to somewhere else Uh, but again somebody yelped an address and and probably the truck was going to be there but what's so neat is that as soon as i posted i quickly posted that 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 kind of funny story on on facebook But within real time, within a few seconds, even just at most a minute, I had some Facebook friends, some friends, they already started posting other comments on there where I could go eat. So there was no hesitancy in sharing some favorite places to eat, right? Because people often are very passionate about where they want to have their food. But again, what I'm trying to get a point here is that uh, when we try to share our faith. When we talk about Jesus to others, we're not always so easily motivated, easily free to do that. And I wonder why. But the Scripture clearly shares here that Anna had no problems with that, and that uh, when she she met baby Jesus, when she met Jesus, the Savior, she instinctively was very um grateful but then she was also willing to share about him to others now next week i think we announced that we're going to have a holy chow right and we're going to have one of those traditional christmas kind of meals we're going to have pizza (laughs) so it's very simple but at the holy chow next sunday we're going to have an opportunity to to make some ornaments and uh, i have an example Here's one of the ornaments that we are going to make. Oh, you have an opportunity to make, you know, there are cranes. I think Joycelyn, this one, yeah. Joycelyn is going to be one of our helpers to help us make some of these. You don't have to make it as complex. We'll have single ones too. But the, the, the big picture reason why we want us all to kind of do this, this is an opportunity for you to make something that's kind of uh, precious and kind of cute that you can then give it away. That fun, it'll be fun to do them, but then it'll be, give you an opportunity to give this to a co-worker, to a neighbor, to a family member, and s- tell them, this is a Christmas ornament. And then for us, Christmas is a time where we, sh- we celebrate the birth of Jesus. So I'm giving you folks an opportunity to easily share about your faith. As simple as just saying, this is the birth of Jesus through this ornament. So this is what we're going to be able to do next Sunday, so hopefully you'll look forward to doing that at our holy chow. So the main point here, the Christmas story is something that should compel us to want to talk about Jesus. And I always admire people who who have no no reservations to doing that. And, and this morning I have the, the pleasure of introducing one of our, 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 uh, our young people who we are trying to see if we want to develop a partnership with and to to um, support in ministry. And uh, she's uh, come before and shared her story, but I would like her to come up and just share a little bit more and just to get you to know her and her organization. So why don't we uh, give a warm welcome to Nicole Lim? So welcome, Nicole. Thank you. Good to see you. Uh, As a personal note, you kind of, uh, you know, is that there's that whatever, 60 degrees of separation, right, that all of us are connected in some way. I remember the first time that Nicole came, and I didn't really know who she was and and just heard through Jody that it was something that someone who who Jody had, uh, Jody Chin was uh, uh, babysitting when she was younger. Uh, Then Peter, our our worship leader, said, you know, uh, Nicole is is uh, Karen Karen's daughter what <laughs> so I instantly aged that now that uh, people I knew in college is their children now are are in uh, are adults and, and doing some amazing things so so that's on a personal note that that there was just some uh, past connection from someone I did not know beforehand so Good morning. I had an opportunity here. Just want to ask you a few questions and and just for our congregation, could you share a little bit about your your organization to help uh, found uh, Freely in Hope? So some people may not have heard it before and maybe it's just a reminder.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I work with an organization called Freely in Hope, which is up there. And what we do is we focus on ending the cycle of sexual violence through holistic education and platforms for dreams to be fulfilled. And so we do this by providing um, educational opportunities for students in high school and university, healthcare support, counseling services, and also leadership development training for survivors and also advocates against sexual violence. And we do this in Kenya and in Zambia.
0: And then um, I know maybe this is a question I didn't throw at you beforehand, but maybe in, in the spirit of the message today, talking about waiting, can you share... Uh, Maybe a story that comes to mind about your own personal waiting and where God met you during that time of waiting. Wow.
1: That's deep, Pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think, so I've been doing this work for, we're entering into our fifth year. And I literally, last week I just came back from four months on on the field living in Nairobi and it was a really good experience for me to live in Nairobi for such a long period of time because I was able to really see um, the potential that our that our programs have. And I think in the spirit of waiting, in the past five years, I've just been kind of pushing hard and fighting and, like, trying to put people in prison and trying to restore dignity with survivors and working in aftercare, working in prevention and doing all of these things. And And sometimes it feels like I'm just waiting for the right opportunity to um, be at a point where we can be really thriving. Mm-hmm. And when I was in Nairobi this past, um, these past four months, I actually began to see, um, a kind of, in the spirit of Advent, see like this birthing of our programs actually thriving. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like after waiting for so many years, I'm starting to see these glimpses of hope, okay. like just now. So it's yeah, really great. exciting for me.
0: Then, uh, just having come back from Africa and, uh, uh, were there opportunities? I'm sure you had plenty of opportunities. But can you share an opportunity that you had to share about the message of Jesus to, to yeah. others?
1: Yeah, so um, I work in Kenya and Zambia. And Kenya, 82% of its people identify as Christian. In Zambia, 95% of people identify as Christian. So I work in a very largely Christian context. However, um, in Kenya, it is estimated that 43% of women have experienced some form of sexual violence. In Zambia, it's 68%. And so there's a disconnect, right? Um, there's a disconnect where of a country that's largely identifying as Christian, but somehow there's still so many cases of violence being perpetuated against women and girls. Um, and so in that context... Um, a lot of the work that we do is not just sharing Jesus, I mean, the, the, the message of Jesus coming to save us because they know the story. In fact, a lot of times they've been hurt by the church because of stigma, because of the violence they've occurred. Sometimes violence even happens within the church, sadly, with, with church leaders. And so when we work to restore dignity, a lot of it is actually reconciling them with the true message of Jesus, which is that he, come to, he came to bring life and hope and redemption as 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 you were sharing in the message Um, when i was in nairobi for the past four months i've been working on building out this program that is equipping leaders um equipping survivors to lead in the fight against sexual violence and so um i was i was training one of our girls her name is claire and claire has a crazy story she has she's experienced just unspeakable violence um, in her life which eventually led her into um, forced prostitution. And, um, when we met her, she was, she was in the ninth grade and we've been walking with her for the past five years from ninth grade all the way into university. Um, it didn't come out until later in our relationship with her that, um, she had been working in prostitution since she was in the eighth grade so that she can uh, pay for her school fees care for her mother who has diabetes and also care for her two nieces who have been orphaned by her brothers. And so she's been working so hard to um, do all that she could for for her family. She kept this as a secret from us for about three years. And so when her story came out, it was a really interesting um, experience for me to understand what was it that got her out of prostitution, right? And she said after she took, um, after she was in her first semester of university, which we sponsored her for, She she finished her first semester of university and when her grades came back, she was top of her class. First semester of university after going through everything that she's gone through. And when she got her grades back and she saw her transcript, she was like, wow, like God actually has a plan for my life. Like I can study. I don't have to live this life of prostitution. And so so she left. And so as I've been kind of developing her into be a leader, I took her to the village with me um, because we were invited to speak to a group of women with our partner church there. In, in a very rural village, and so we had to take a plane out there. So on the plane, I was kind of sharing with her, like, okay, well, what do you want to do for this group of women? What are your thoughts? And she was like, I don't know. I'm really scared to share my story, and I don't know if it would, re- if it would relate. And so when we got to the church, we were talking with the church elders, and we were asking them, who are these women? Like, how can we support your women? And the church leaders were telling us, the group of women that you are speaking to today is a group of women who are currently working in prostitution. Hmm. And so for us, it was just a perfect connection. And so Claire shared her story with them and a story of how, of, of what she experienced in her, in her life. The, and, and what made her get out of it was the hope of education. And now how she's living and thriving um, only because of the grace of God. And she had to really emphasize that the only reason why she's alive today is because of God's grace over her life. Mm-hmm. And so she's sharing the stories with these women. These women who have experienced so much rejection, mostly from the church, sadly, were asking her questions like, how, how did you come out of it? How are you able to live now after experiencing such violence and trauma and oppression? And she just kept going back to, it's, it's this hope that I have found in Jesus and realizing that if I live into these, into these dreams that he's birthed in me, I can find hope in that and I can pursue these dreams. And so what we were seeing there is is how her story um, was an example of Jesus. And so as we're seeing how Simeon in, in in the story, how Simeon had to see Jesus and he was able to kind of prophesy over Jesus in that way. Uh, for these women who are currently living in a prostitution to see Claire, I believe they actually saw Jesus in her that day. Mm. And so that's kind of the hope of redemption that we've been able to provide.
0: And I know all this work and, and that's kind of the the necessity of, of ministry is raising of funds. So uh, I know uh, many in our congregation have, have reached out and supported sort of the work of Freely and Hope. I just want to give you an opportunity to share, which is kind of, Shown on that, that graphic up there, that something going on in December mm-hmm. with global giving, and maybe you can talk about that and and share. Where are you? How many you need these unique donors yeah. to reach a goal? So describe that, and and maybe some of our folks would um, help support you in that.
1: Yeah. So global giving is, is this awesome San Francisco-based platform that um, invites donors from all over the world um, to give um, through specific project-based initiatives. And so for us, we're trying to get onto this platform, which will help boost impact and also give us access into donors that are not within our current circle. And so in order to get onto the platform, we need to raise $5,000 from 40 unique donors. And I just checked this morning, we need 14 more unique donors to give. Um, And I think the total is something that, we only have 398 left, so we're almost at our financial goal. But we need the unique donors now, and once we get both of those things, then we'll be eligible for the Global Giving platform. And so the link is there to go to .gg/18908 if you'd want to support.
0: Yeah, so I'm sure there must be 14 people in this room can do. <laughs> uh, it's not the amount, because the amount it looks like it's going to be achievable. Yeah. It's the unique gifting. So I think it's as little as $10 or $20. Uh, you Anything, can yeah. be a unique giver. And then actually, I'm waiting to, I think the 17th is a bonus day. And I think there there's a additional, what, was it 10% or something? Yeah,
1: I have to double check exactly what the amount is, but there's yeah, like yeah. extra incentives and bonuses. So.
0: <laughs> but whatever the case, um, if you can uh, feel led to do that, it's a very simple thing to do. And it's not the largeness of the gift but it's actually just a number of people and, and this will help establish for Freely and Hope uh, a platform where they can be uh, on this kind of um, whatever it is the uh, mass uh, fundraising through, through uh, this website I kind of want to finish the time here with a story and since Nicole's here she graciously is going to help me uh, the reading and telling of the story so we will tell you this Christmas story that I found and may it be encouraging to you because it fits with the message today. Many years ago, there was a very wealthy man who shared a passion for art collecting with his son. They had priceless works by Picasso and Van Gogh adorning the walls of their family estate. As winter approached, war engulfed the nation and a young man left to serve his country. After only a short few weeks, his father received a telegram. His son had died. Distraught and lonely, the old man faced the upcoming Christmas holidays with anguish and sadness. The joy of the season had vanished with the death of his son.
1: On Christmas morning, a knock on the door awakened the depressed old man. As he walked to the door, the masterpieces of art on the walls only reminded him that his son was not coming home. As he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier with a large package in his hands who said, I was a friend of your son. I was the one he was rescuing when he died. May I come in for a few moments? I have something to show you.
0: The soldier mentioned that he was an artist and then gave the old man the package. The paper gave way to reveal a portrait of the man's son. Though the world will never consider it the work of a genius, the painting featured the young man's face in striking detail. Overcome with emotion, the man hung the portrait over the fireplace, pushing aside millions of dollars' worth of art. His task completed, the old man sat in his chair and spent Christmas gazing at the gift he had been given. The painting of his son soon became his most prized possession, far eclipsing any interest in the pieces of art for which the museums around the world clamored.
1: The following spring, the old man died. The art world waited with anticipation for the upcoming auction. According to the will of the old man, all the artworks would be auctioned on Christmas Day, the day he had received the greatest gift. The day soon arrived, and art collectors from around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's most spectacular paintings. Dreams would be fulfilled that day.
0: The auction began with a painting that was not on anyone's museum list. It was the painting of the man's son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid, but the room was silent. Who will open the bidding with $100? No one spoke. Finally, someone said, "'Who cares about that painting? "'It's just a picture of his son. "'Let's move on to the good stuff.' The auctioneer responded, "'No, we have to sell this one first. "'Now, who will take the son?' Finally, a neighbor of the old man offered $10. "'That's all I have. "'I knew the boy, so I'd like to have it.' The auctioneer said, "'Going once, going twice, Gone, and the gavel fell.
1: Cheers filled the room, and someone explained, now we can bid on the real treasures. The auctioneer looked at the room filled with people and announced th- that the auction was over. Everyone was stunned. Someone spoke up and said, what do you mean it's over? We didn't come here for a painting of someone's son. There's millions of dollars worth of art here. What's going on?
0: The auctioneer replied, it's very simple. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son, takes it all. And this morning, that is the message of Christmas. And it's because of the Father's love. Whoever takes the Son, His Son Jesus gets it all. For everyone who is waiting for something or someone, Jesus (laughs) will give you what you need. And for sure, Christmas brings comfort and forgiveness. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for Christmas. For Christmas brings salvation to all of us, comfort, joy, and peace. A Savior is born to all mankind, and that is a message of hope. And our hope is that there will be no more lives torn apart, that wars would never start, and time Will heal all of our hearts. And we thank you in this most precious name. Amen.